0: Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. And after you finish this episode, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought in sweeping change to the business world, and the way meetings are conducted has been part of that change. Although there are various safety restrictions to observe for in-person meetings, many of those have shifted to a virtual setting, and with that transition comes a learning curve. In this episode, I spoke with John Petz, a motivational keynote speaker and author of multiple books, including one titled Boring Meetings Suck on how to make meetings efficient and effective. We discussed how to prepare when you're hosting a virtual meeting, common mistakes to avoid, how to make it more engaging so you don't lose your audience through the computer screen, Zoom fatigue, and much more. Here's what he had to say. I think it's pretty safe to say that most people in the corporate world were familiar with virtual meetings, but obviously the pandemic has really ramped up the use of those. How would you say that virtual meetings have changed since the coronavirus pandemic started?
1: I think it's been a process. I mean, virtual meetings have been around for a very long time, but that doesn't mean everyone's used them. And I think when this first began, you figure mid-March and people learned the word Zoom, it was this novelty component. And yes, we'd use them, but it was novelty. I think novelty became necessity, and necessity has become normalty, if you want to follow that path. Uh, how has it changed? We rely on them now. I was literally on a an audio call yesterday. I'm like, I'm looking for the video link. Did I did I did I miss the video link? Like it was just my expectation that it would be a video as well. So changed. Uh, I think people have realized how much more time you need to put into a virtual meeting. And so if, I guess we'll, we'll talk about virtual meetings and or conferences because I've been a lot of the conference business as well. So that could be used interchangeable but when i think of meetings sometimes i think of in office 10 person meetings and i can also think of virtual events as you know 2000 people conferences so make sure you steer me correctly when i answer but if you look at that path they've become you know normal they've become this element that uh, we've innovated in in 3 months which would have otherwise taken us probably 5 years to get to the sense of normal and adaptation for virtual meetings
0: Right. Like right now we're recording this on Zoom. And I saw that in the beginning of this in the spring, there was a lot in the news about how hard Zoom was working to kind of keep up pace with how many people had started using their product.
1: Uh, So true. And that was they were in the news because they, they reported 300 million users, which was 300 million individual Zoom sessions. Or, you know, if someone used it twice a day, they counted you twice. But no, their their stock has, you know, obviously exponentially grown. Which has been amazing. And Zoom is not it's not only a, a company now, it's a verb, it's an adjective. It is one of those words that's come synonymous with I need to go Zoom somebody. It's it's been crazy what's happened.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That it's like when you use Google, like, yeah, I'll Google that. Yeah, you're right. People just use Zoom now and they think you know what they mean.
1: Yeah. It's like Uber, I'm gonna Uber somewhere. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, right. we gotta we gotta Zoom.
0: Yeah. And so when we talk about all of these new users, a lot of people, some better with technology than not, what would you say are some of the bigger mistakes people make when it comes to hosting these virtual meetings?
1: Wow. Well, there's... Even in the book "Boring Meetings Suck," which I did several years ago, there is a, a section a, on on virtual meetings and things you can do. So and this is years ago before we we're in that. If we're talking individual tips and tricks for someone sitting in their home office having a Zoom meeting or some type of other virtual meeting, we can call that. Uh, I, I call these SRDs. SRDs are Suckification Reduction Devices because you know the, playing off the the "Boring Meetings Suck" book, but simple ones that are easy to adapt to. Number one. Don't be sitting in a swivel chair or a rocking chair. You don't realize you're doing, but you're sitting and you're swiveling and you're rocking and it's two, have your camera at eye level. I see if any more nostrils, you know, people talking down at their laptop. If you have to set it on top of a box. Three, get a good microphone, a, you know, a laptop microphone versus there's Yeti microphones and good USB microphones. There's microphones for your iPhones. There's inexpensive options that's going to give you a really a better quality tone of voice. Hire a virtual MC if you're doing a conference. You need a more in a conference world online than you even do in person. It'll help you get your continuity, your story, your dynamics. If you're in that environment, look at hiring a professional in some fashion to help you produce it.
0: It's funny that you mention that because I think when you talk about the first point, you know, don't have a swivel chair or a rocking chair. It's little things like that that people might not even be conscious of that they're doing that can really affect how a meeting, a virtual meeting, is conducted. And when we talk about, you've mentioned a couple times, you know, the visual component, uh, something that I've heard recently, and I'm sure that you've seen this come up, is Zoom fatigue. You know, oh, yeah. people getting kind of tired and of um, the, the emotional output, I guess, and mental energy that they need for these meetings, which is interesting because it seems different than meetings that you're physically present at. Can you speak at all to Zoom fatigue?
1: I can. I and I think this also brings you into ideal lengths of meetings or events and segments even. And one thing as a, mm-hmm. as a virtual MC, I help people build that dynamic flow. And the question is, are you sitting, if I want to call it a webinar, is it a talking head and a power? Uh, Zoom fatigue is going to set in a whole lot. You need breaks every hour, every 90 minutes max. And if you don't give them one, trust me, they're at the refrigerator anyway. Uh, they're le- They're taking their own bio break. When we talk about, you know, it, when you're watching a movie, if you're watching The Tonight Show, and you see how different people are producing live content or even some pre-recorded content in a virtual Meeting and you don't get Zoom fatigue, but that's because it's, you know, it's it's an entertaining, engaging experience. So if you have something that you're really producing as a show, your your viewer can have a greater length in terms of their engagement. But if it's truly a what we see most of, what I call the webinar type format, you have to give them a break. In a live setting, you would have the guilty attention. That's when someone's sitting there and you know they're in the meeting, but they're looking down at their phone and they're just typing away, right? Right. And here, if you lose them, they're, they're literally, they're they're gone. They're physically leaving the room to go to the backyard and walk the dog to do something else. But So uh, to answer, I mean, a direct answer, I mean, absolute worst case, every 90 minutes, you've got to give them a break, uh, ideally more so keynotes now. I mean, a keynote is a 40-minute keynote, live Q&A followed uh, to kind of keep that engagement there and, and keep people the opportunity to take true, true, uh, true breaks for their eyes and their body.
0: And when you talk about, you know, the importance of engagement, hopefully one of the reasons that you're having a meeting or um, getting people together to discuss something, it can be easy, like you just mentioned, John, to kind of tune out for these virtual sessions, you know, you're not physically present in a room with people, you probably have other distractions behind your computer um, at your home, wherever you are. What are ways that people can ensure, you know, collaboration, engagement still happens in these meetings?
1: Sure. And I think it's always a challenge in live or in, in this style of meeting. One, one simple thing that can be effective is simply calling people out and you may think, oh, that's a bit aggressive. And what I say with that, what that would mean is, uh, number one, putting people into agenda so they know they're going to be speaking up. We know we want their response, calling them out in chat form. Uh, one thing I like to do in Zoom is, Hey, first awesome. We're going to be, we're going to be talking to John first. By the way, on deck is Michael or is Sally, uh, Beatrice, whatever it might be, letting people know we expect to hear from them next. It also gives them the opportunity to get their mouse over to the mute, unmute button or get their mouse back over to the camera button so we don't sit there for 3 seconds waiting for them to jump on. So kind of have that calling out the speaker who's first up and then the next one after that. Engaging people, there's been some great things that have come out as a positive from gamifications and tools and engagement. And maybe people have done have done the virtual scavenger hunts and bingo and I've done game show formats to keep people engaged but in an entertaining way while still delivering content. So I think looking for those ways to you know, educate, inspire, and entertain, and produce that into a television show is, is a great way to keep people in there and engaged.
0: And I love that you mention the game component because I think that's something I've heard more people do. I mean, we're talking about meetings right now, but I've also heard people doing that to kind of keep up a social component with their coworkers and colleagues, you know, like having happy hours, having virtual games, like other ways that you can still engage um, without feeling maybe always that pressure of having a continuing a conversation virtually um, through Zoom or whatever you're using.
1: That's right. Another thing I think has been great in a live meeting format or in a bigger conference per se, sometimes people, they really refrain from speaking up, but the chat windows in these virtual meetings can go ballistic in a positive way. You know, I even I call them having meeting starters, you know, have someone in chat, you know, starting the chat things and asking questions and getting other people and some interaction engagement. There is far superior to what we can see in a live meeting. So make use of that.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the chat window, because I think that's such a great point. Some people, especially if there's a lot of people in the meeting. Um, it can seem hard to maybe interject or add a thought or opinion a question if it feels like everyone's talking over each other. Those chat windows can really be a big benefit.
1: Oh, so true, and I think we we often find ourselves like asking a question to a group of twenty. in a a video room and everyone is waiting for that first person when don't don't have people introduce themselves on zoom if you've got more than five people have them do it in the chat and and ask a question and everyone responds in chat at the same time and then you as host can say oh my gosh i'll tell you what let's look at answer number you know three and answer number six and let's dig into those deeper it's a it's a great tool that i think some aren't using effective enough
0: And I know earlier we talked about Zoom fatigue, and this is something I was curious about. I think, I don't know if it's happening as much now, but I know early on I heard people say a lot of things um, that maybe could be told through emails or quick IMs. People were saying, you know, let's hold a virtual meeting so we can continue that engagement and collaboration with Your coworkers, but I heard people say that not everything needs to be a meeting. So, do you find um, that there are certain things that you think, yeah, maybe this should be a virtual meeting, and other things that you think, why don't you hold off? So, hopefully, we can kind of keep that Zoom fatigue at bay.
1: Well, I think that goes for before all this, you know, reasons to have a meeting and simply sharing information with a group of people may or may not be a reason to have a meeting. And that was you know, again, reference back to the book. Boring meetings suck. There's so many reasons that you shouldn't because boring meetings suck. The time, the energy, the creativity out of your organization. How can you avoid those moments? Uh, looking for opportunities. It's similar to the conference call. Let's let's just jump on a conference call with six people. No, let's just let's just answer the question and be done with it. I think you need to look at what's going to be accomplished as a result of that meeting. If we walk out the door or finish that at the end of 15 minutes, what should we have accomplished? What's the outcomes, the true outcomes that we desire? And can we accomplish that any other way instead of inviting 10 people to spend 30 minutes on a somewhat unproductive video conference call potentially? So if you can really answer that, what we want to accomplish, then I think you can still move forward. And if that's the only way in which to accomplish it.
0: Right, and like you mentioned, that's kind of a good rule to keep in place always, not just for virtual meetings. Yeah, oh, so true. Absolutely. Well, another thing that's unique to virtual meetings, and I think, again, has been heightened um, with everyone using technology, is when technology fails us. Um, it can feel especially frustrating when this is the only way that you're communicating with someone, you know, when your screen is frozen, when your video is not working, when you're powerpoint isn't playing there's all kinds of things that can go wrong unfortunately do you have any tips for how people can deal with that when technology kind of starts to fail during a meeting
1: and have it be known it it will fail right and we've seen it fail and be prepared for it to fail even though we don't want it to fail so what what can you do number one know if if you're hosting and you're interviewing someone on a remote site or you're in a conversation Knowing ahead of time who is going to take over if by chance you go out. So always having a, if it is Zoom, using that as the best and easy feature is always having a co-host in that because if you drop, the meeting's over. Have co-hosts set up, have the co host know what the rules are. So if I would go out, they would continue that line of questioning or continue moderating until I'm back. Uh, if, if you really starting getting choppy audio, kill your video because your audio potentially will get better and audio can save that portion of the meeting. If you have I mean I'm trying we could go through a bunch of different scenarios but I don't want to do that for your for your listeners. But having ask yourself what possibly could go wrong and then have a quick one point solution to what will happen when that happens. What we what are you going to do? If you can get off a of Wi Fi, get an Ethernet connection, of course, that's not an option for everybody, but it'll certainly can can lessen some risk. If you're presenting something, do you want to lessen risk by pre-recording? If you can pre-record and then follow up and do a live Q&A if it's a presentation so you still have that authenticity of it. It's got to be the same room, the same clothes, the same lighting so it looks real. you know. Um, but, I mean, those are some things you can do and, and truly think what will go wrong, figure that it will, and what will you'll do in that event.
0: And I think that just like that little aspect of thinking ahead can make such a difference because I know I've been a part of some meetings where the host sort of in the beginning is saying, okay, like if this happens, I suggest that people do this, or if this person gets cut out, this is how we're going to move on. It kind of makes people feel that things will will still be accomplished, and hopefully the meeting will still be worth everyone's time, especially if stuff starts to, like you mentioned, go wrong, which it usually can and sometimes will.
1: Yeah, and I even like play by a three strike rule, and I learned that from a friend, Tom Singer. He's like, if if I'm interviewing someone and their audio goes bad once, great. If it goes bad twice, okay, it's get th- third. It's you know, you're done. We're not. We don't continue at that point. We move on with something else. But so consider that could be a factor.
0: Absolutely. So what takeaways do you have to offer? I know that we've talked about a lot of great things during our discussion, but do you have any takeaways to offer those who are hosting these meetings to really make them a success in the future? Uh,
1: certainly. And I'll compare it to a live meeting. And one of the, you know, the rules of meetings is you've got, to, you've got to prepare. And so many bad meetings are the result of people just doing an ad hoc meeting and not having the proper, you know, missions and outcomes and agenda items and true methods in which they're going to accomplish that objective. Take that to a virtual meeting, and it's exponentially more important. If you walk in without a true plan, walk in. If you sit, you're not walking in, right? Because you're sitting in your office and you're logging on, but taking the time to plan and put together a true map of that meeting. Call it a meeting map. Call it an agenda. Call it your objectives. Having people identified who are going to, you know, uh, input information, making sure they know they're going to be a part of the meeting. Just go through each step because boring meetings in real life are truly boring. Boring meetings in a virtual setting, people, they leave. It doesn't happen and it kills your day. It's, it's harder to do because you're not connecting in the same manner, but they can be effective if you just follow some basic principles of identify the, the outcomes, what we're going to, going to do when we walk out of this meeting and if you know what you're going to do when you walk out how can we best plan and use our time and use our resources in that meeting to accomplish that in an effective way sorry i got a bunch of things beeping in the background you can hear that (laughs)
0: probably
1: see there's you go there's there's real life right even (laughs) as i talk about it there's i didn't turn off my notifications because we're not on video we're only on audio
0: proving that technology is always keeping us on our toes and we have to react Thank you to John for joining us to talk more about how to make your virtual meetings engaging, informative, and worth everyone's time. Let me know what you thought of the episode at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. Thanks for listening.